0: Thank you, sir. Have your Bibles tonight be turning to the book of First Corinthians, chapter one. We're going to read just a few verses there in a moment. I was noticing we're praying for one another, and we're praying for youth minister, and all those things are important. But uh, Sarah and I was talking this last week, and we was talking about the folk that was the doers As we ministered here, and suddenly realized that many of the doers are getting too old to do, so we need to start praying for our younger men that uh, they'd get in the hornets and take up the slack, and so the church could move forward at a good, rapid pace. Uh, I I do have a little—I had a little bit of a, a discussion with her, with Sarah, on the way over here. She was telling about Miss Schaefer, and she said she was an elderly woman, and uh, she and I are almost exactly the same age, so that didn't go over too well, but uh, we uh, we got that settled anyway. All right, if you found your place in First Corinthians tonight, I'll try to find mine. I'm in Samuel, and uh, we'll get over First Corinthians chapter 1. If you'll stand, we'll start reading with verse 18. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Father, we thank you tonight once again for the opportunity of being able to handle thy word. Lord, I pray that you'll give us honest hearts, clear minds, and boldness to set forth the message, Lord, that you've given unto us. May the blessed Holy Spirit apply it to our hearts. And Lord, as we live our lives day by day, may he remind us, Lord, of what you've said to us on this day of worship. Go with us now in every undertaking. Help us to do that which would please you. We ask in Christ's name, amen. I want to speak on the subject of precise pre- precise preaching that pleases God. God has exalted preaching above all other acts in the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to take away from the importance of teaching. Bible teachers that really get their instruction from God will uh, cause you to grow more than the preacher will because they can give you more information And if there's something that you don't understand, there's an opportunity to stop and say, explain that to me. Teaching is an important part of the ministry of the Lord. Gospel singing has its proper place. In fact, all singing has its proper place. I believe that congregational singing and then those that would come and bless us with their talent that God has given them prepares our heart for the Word. And uh, there's no doubt that the witnessing that God has called every one of us to do is an important part of the work of the Lord. And actually witnessing, when it's done correctly, is just like preaching, it's a proclamation of the Word of God. But it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save folk. Now I believe sometimes that preachers exalt themselves at least in their own eyes, a little higher than we should because if we have a big revival and we're going to have one here before long and if we had ourselves in the right position with the Lord, we'd be out here trying to reach our friends and our family and those that live around about us and get them saved and bring them in and uh, get them baptized and teach them what we know. That's God's plan. And uh, if we did that in the revival... The preacher would go away saying, man, we had a great revival. I preached wonderful sermons and God blessed and 30 people were saved. Man, we'd all shout praise the Lord on that. But really the uh, credit in God's book would go to those that went out from house to house and, and sat down face to face with individuals and presented the gospel unto them. But it's still by the preaching of the gospel that people get saved. You know, we need to understand that as individuals, whether God has called us into the ministry or not, we can become preachers. Teachers that stand in their class, they preach to their classes. Parents at home should at least preach to their children. And we can go on and on. The Word of God, I'm simply saying to present the Word of God to individuals is what God calls preaching that He promises to exalt an individual and exalt a group of individuals for doing so. And I'm afraid that there's too many people in the work of the Lord that is interested in, in exalting themselves rather than ex- exalting the Lord. And uh, that's one thing that has bothered me over the years is the fact that I want to be sure that if anything good happens, everybody understands that it's God that has wrought the work, and uh, so we need to understand we're not in this business to exalt self. I love the statement John the Baptist made. He looked at the Lord Jesus Christ and said, "He must increase, but I must decrease." In other words, he said, "My job is to exalt the Savior." And if you're led by the Holy Spirit of God, you will exalt the Savior. The Holy Spirit never exalts himself. He exalts Jesus. And so if you're you if you want to go around and say you're filled with the Holy Spirit and always talking about him and praising him, you can be sure you're not filled with the Spirit. And so God help us to understand that our position is to exalt the Lord. He said, if I be lifted up, and I understand that that's talking about the cross, but it's also talking about if we lift him up with our words and our actions, if I be lifted up, he said, I'll draw all men unto me. And so God help us if we might understand our position, our job, our motivation ought to be to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God's plan is that there be preaching. We know that God's plan is that we assemble together regardless how much preaching we do at home, regardless how much preaching we do on the street corner or wherever we go, God still expects us to assemble together in public worship. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And then God's plan is when we assemble together, God's plan is that he has a man. Now, let me get a little bit critical here. And I didn't say that accidentally. God has a man. He doesn't have a woman. God has a man that he speaks to, that he expects them to speak to the congregation. That's always been God's plan. Now, the preacher's not always the most spiritual individual in the church. He's not always the smartest. He's not always the best looking. Just because you've got that, everybody doesn't have it. But the truth of the matter is, God selects people. I think every time I think along that line, I think about old Moses. Uh, From what I can gather, Moses didn't look very well. He certainly wasn't very smart. And we find out at Katie Dish, he wasn't all that spiritual. We find out when he struck the rock, when he's supposed to speak to it, he wasn't very spiritual. But he was the man that God chose to lead the people. And brother, God stood behind him too. And I want you to know tonight that if God's man will stay in the right place, God will stand behind him. I was kind of laughing tonight. and I don't remember who all those old hens were back there. But I walked in on a hen party. And they said they were talking about me. And I wondered why is it we always assume if somebody says I was talking about you, they were saying something bad. But that's the first thing that pops in your mind, isn't it? But uh, anyway... I'm just simply saying, and I know those ladies weren't. I'm just having fun out of them. But but I'm saying that a lot of times the men of God does get criticized, honestly criticized. And you better be careful about putting your hands on the man of God. I can preach that pretty strong now. A year ago, I wouldn't have said that probably, But uh, I want to be sure you understand that the office that the individual has Is an important office, and you'd better learn to respect it. And so, tonight, while we think about the plan that God has, and we prepare our hearts, remember also that God says over in Mark 16 and 15, He says we're to preach the gospel to every creature. Now, that word creature doesn't mean uh, the mice and the rats and the lizards and all of that. Those are creatures, but that's not what God's talking about. He's talking about every human individual. Yeah. Human beings is the only one that has living souls. Yeah. And God expects us to present the gospel to everyone that we have the opportunity to do so. Yeah. Now, I know one, I, I, I was acquainted, I started saying I know, but I, I was acquainted with one preacher that said when God first called him to preach, his daddy had a bunch of cattle out in the back pasture back there. And he said he'd preach to those cattle until he converted every one of them. Now, of course, that was a joke. But it's no joke when God says we want to preach the gospel to every creature, to every individual. And so since God's preaching is such an important part of his plan, we need to consider what type of preaching That pleases him. And I'll tell you first of all that preaching about salvation pleases God. Now I don't have much time for these folk who have buildings that has church on the front of them and says, come as you are, live like you want to, and leave without being changed. I don't have much time for that. They ought to take the name church on the front of the building. And put social club up. I'm getting a little mean in my old age, aren't I, brother? Uh, he's not going to answer that. But the laws that set under precise preaching ought to be uncomfortable. There's two, at least two people that's paid the greatest compliment to this church that uh, could be paid. Both of, the, both of them said almost the same thing. They said we can go to almost any other church around close and sit in there and be comfortable. But when we come to Sunny Hills, we get under conviction and we can't hardly stand, stand in the service. And I said absolutely. That's exactly what I said. And I said praise the Lord. And that's the way it ought to be. There ought to be enough Power in the preaching and up praying in the pews to make sinners uncomfortable, and so salvation will uh, preaching on salvation will please the Lord, and preaching it preaching on the plain and simple plan of salvation. If I I'll have to be honest with you, if I was writing the the Bible, I wouldn't have made salvation so simple. Because men don't like simple things. They, they get the idea sometimes anything that's free is not worth having. But now if any of you have got new automobiles or, or $100 bills or anything like that, uh, you want to give me, I, I don't think they're worth something. But, but I'm, I'm trying to say that men think because salvation is a free gift it's not worth anything. They want to add something to it you got to do something else but that's not the way God thinks Amen. and God purchased salvation on Calvary's cross and paid for it in full Amen. and then he offers it as a free gift yeah. and I'm so glad that he did if he hadn't I probably couldn't have gotten it he makes salvation accessible to all people Amen. you might not like somebody but God still makes salvation accessible to them. And I'm glad that did, because they might have been somebody that didn't like me and didn't want me to have salvation. But our, our desire doesn't affect God. So preaching on salvation pleases God. And then preaching that pleases God must be backed up by His Word. I think we might have touched on this this morning, but that doesn't uh, hurt anything. I want to read something to you out of the uh, book of Second Timothy uh, in the, uh, let me find my note here, 4th chapter, and uh, verses 1 and 2. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, the living and the dead, and his appearing in kingdom. Preach the word. We don't have anything else to preach. Preach the word, in season, when you get a lot of results. Out of season, when you don't see any results, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Preach the word. That that pleases God. That kind of preaching pleases God. And. Uh, Paul said over in the book of Acts chapter 20 and to verse 27, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Now we're to preach the word. How much of the word? All of the word. And so the Lord Jesus has instructed us the same As Paul did under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So we need some precise preaching about salvation. And we need our precise preaching to be backed up by the word. And then we need some precise preaching about sin. I'll tell you, from what I hear, I I don't go to many other churches now. Just because I don't have time. Don't have the energy, I guess. We used to go a lot, but we don't go... To revivals and preachers' conferences and everything like we used to. But from what I hear, there's a lot of churches that have quit preaching on sin. Yeah. They might name sin as a general rule. But they're not going to stand up here and say, thus and thus is a sin, and if you're committing that, you're displeasing God, and God will judge you for it. Right. But that's part of the whole counsel of God. And that kind of preaching pleases God. I remember the story of David. Old Nathan came down to David and he said, David, I want you to make a judgment. I've got a story to tell you. I want you to make a judgment. And he said to David, he said, there was a rich man that had a lot of sheep. And he had a neighbor that was a poor man and he only had one little lamb. And a wayfaring stranger came by the rich man's house and instead of going out and killing one of his sheep, he went down and got the poor man's lamb and killed him so he could have something to eat. The Bible says David grew angry. And David said to Nathan, that man shall surely die. And he'll not only die, but he'll restore fourfold what he took from that poor man. And then there's that famous statement that all of us recognize. Remember, David had the power to have Nathan's head cut off if he wanted to. But here was a man that did precise preaching against sin. He said, David, thou art the man. You're the man, David. And I mean, that's some straight preaching, isn't it? That's what we need today in our pulpits, and our classrooms across America, so people that stand up and say, this is still sin. Amen. It was sin when our grandparents lived, and it's still sin today. God is immutable. He never changes. So it is that precise preaching against sin pleases God. And then precise preaching Demands repentance. Have you noticed we've just about left that out of our preaching anymore? They'll say, well, you want to get saved? Let's come up and believe and confess, and God will save you. I believe He will, but I'll tell you what, I believe you've got to have some repentance too. You know, we love to quote 1 John 1 and 9 as children of God. If we confess our sins, he's just and faithful. Forgive us our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I believe you still got to have repentance Amen. before you can get there. Yeah. Now, what what's repentance? Repentance means I'm walking this way. And all of a sudden, I stop and turn around and start walking the other way. In other words, I've got to be able to come to the Lord and say, God, I've got a problem in my life. God, I want you to forgive me of it, and I want you to help me to quit. And sometimes, though, you know, Brother uh, Bob Jones Sr. used to preach a sermon called Quitting. And he'd talk about uh, if you're drinking, quit, if you're gambling, quit, and all those things. And he said one night a lady came to the altar, and he went over and said, Lady, what do you want to quit? She said, I've been doing nothing and I want to quit doing nothing. And I tell you, sometimes that's what we need to repent of is repent of doing nothing. And uh, that's some precise preaching. Don't go over too well. But it still pleases God. There never was a time when it was more needed than the time in which we live. Repentance is more than... Feeling sorry because you got caught. There's a lot of people get sorry because they get caught. If they never got caught, they'd never be sorry. And I tell you, that's not repentance. Repentance is that heartfelt, that deep heartfelt sorrow for what you've done when it's wrong or what you failed to do that's right and the desire to change. That's real repentance. You remember the story that's told over in Luke 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One of them a Pharisee another and the other a publican. He said the Pharisee got up there and said, Lord, I sure am glad I'm better than everybody else. And he went on to enumerate to God what he all he'd done that was good and right and holy. And the old publican said, Lord, I can't brag on nothing I've done. Bible says he just smote his breast and said God forgive me but the Bible says he went down more justified than the, than the Pharisee uh, we need to get to the place where we can humble ourselves and uh, humility is a part of repentance you can't ever truly repent unless you become humble and then preaching precise preaching demands an immediate decision. One of the best tricks that the devil uses is here's a problem in your life. Maybe you're lost. Oh, you understand you're lost. and You understand you ought to get saved. And that's all right. You you really, I can agree. You'll get, to, I'm talking to the devil now. Somebody says, you ought to know what you're talking about. But anyway, the devil will say, well, yeah, you really ought to get saved. The only thing is, let's don't do it today. Let's wait. He'll say that to the Christian. Here's something that's bad, wrong in your life, and you really need to get that straightened out. You need to go to the altar and repent of that, ask God's for forgiveness and start living right. And uh, uh, the devil will say, uh, that's right. You know that's right. That's what you ought to do. But you ought not do it tonight. You ought to wait. And you know what? He'll get you to wait tonight and tomorrow. And one of these days, he'll get you to wait just one hour too long. And death will overtake you with the suddenness of a snap of a finger. And you'll go out into eternity either unprepared to meet God or unready to meet God. So precise preaching demands an immediate decision. Let the child of God that desires to do more make that known publicly to God. You know, there's something about a public confession that just bears a little more weight with God than a private confession. And so God help us that we might not be secret disciples, that we might be disciples that make... Immediate decisions. We are, you know, we ought to get to the place where I, I have a problem with statements we make sometimes, and one of them is they act like a Christian. I've got a little bit of a problem with that statement. Because when you say you act like a Christian, that seems to say to me there's something phony about you. We ought not act like a Christian. We ought to be a Christian. We just ought to automatically do what God expects us to do. Do you know what it means when somebody says, that guy over there is a habitual drunk? You know what that means? Now, he stays drunk all the time. That that guy over there is a habitual liar. What does that mean? He just automatically lies all the time. Well, now, why don't we come, become habitual Christians? I mean, just, just without thinking, we just do what... A, what Christ would have us do? That's that's some good precise preaching, whether you like it or not. And today's the day we ought to make a decision because we aren't promised another opportunity. Well, ask you to stand if you would, please. Be out of and song leader, come.